she said she got a nice note from a mother of someone who she had been providing technical assistance to, you know, had been talking to this person who had um, recently lost his vision or found out he had retinitis pigmentosa and talking to his mother too and providing support to both of them. And um, she got a note from the mother that said that for the first time since he found out he's losing his vision, he's excited about the future again. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. Given we just graduated the class of 2022, it seemed a great time to have on Dr. Michelle McDonnell. Michelle is the director of the National Research and Training Center on Blindness and Low Vision at Mississippi State University. The reason this interview is opportune is because they focus on research, training, and technical assistance surrounding the employment of individuals who are blind or low vision. Their work may one day help our students achieve their dreams. So my background is in vocational rehabilitation counseling. I got my master's degree. And after I got my master's degree, I worked with people with traumatic brain injuries in a few different um, places, but they were all post-acute hospital settings. So I did direct, um, kind of direct training and service with, with that population. In 1999, I went to the University of Arkansas and started my, my degree program, and that was in rehabilitation, education, and research. And I got my Ph.D. in 2002. And then I started working here at the NRTC in 2003, and I came here as an assistant research professor. And I've been here ever since, and I became the director of the NRTC in 2011. All right. So tell us a little bit about NRTC and its work and maybe some of the programs um, specific to research. So the mission of our center is to improve employment and independent living outcomes for people who are blind or have low vision. And the center was founded in 1981 with funding from NIDLR, and that stands for the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. The center received NIDLR's RRTC grant, another acronym that is Rehabilitation (laughs) Research and Training Center, Mm -hmm. grant on employment of people who are blind or low vision back in 1981, and that's what founded the center. And we're the only university to hold that grant ever ever since then. Wow. And that RRTC grant is our primary funding mechanism for our research. And under that RRTC grant, we also, in addition to the research, we do training and provide technical assistance. So we do all of that, but, you know, all focused on employment and trying to improve employment for people who are blind or have low vision. What are, what are your current research priorities? Our research this time focuses on addressing barriers to employment for this population and, and barriers to labor force participation and then capitalizing on what we think are potential facilitators to employment. And NIDLR, as an organization, they want rigorous research, 
-hmm. but they also want applied research. So it's very important to them that the findings, you know, they're not just findings that might be interesting, but they're findings that can actually be applied in practice and, and be useful. So one thing we're doing and one thing we, we like to do is we're creating or redesigning products that can be used after our research projects are over. So like we're creating something or redesigning it and then testing to see if it's effective with the research project. And then that whatever we created will be available afterwards to, mm. you know, for use. So the one little extra project, our seventh project, that was actually a one-year project and it's already completed. And it was actually conducted by AFB for us. It was like a sub sub award to them to conduct this, this additional project. But what they did was they evaluated the accessibility and usability of online job application systems mm. for 30 Fortune 500 companies. So, yeah. So that's as I said, it's already done. So we haven't published the results yet, but they have they have completed the study. So. So that was our little extra one. And um, and then the other projects are, I'll just go in order. We, we number our projects. So our first, the first one is the AT in the Workplace Study. And that's one of the ones that I'm leading. And it's a longitudinal study. And the goal of it is to learn about how people are using AT at work. So we know AT is a facilitator of employment. You know, it's very important for most jobs these days for people to, to have AT skills. But we also know that there are people do experience some challenges with using AT in the workplace. So we want to find out about those challenges. We want to identify any gaps between what AT is needed and what's available. And we're partnering with some technology companies basically to share our results with them and hope that they may address any of these challenges or gaps that we identify through the, through the study. And we're going to be conducting multiple surveys with the same group of people over the course of the study. We have an employed group, which is our kind of our primary study group because we're really interested about, you know, use of AT in the workplace. But then we also have an unemployed group that we're going to do two surveys with over mm. the course of the study. And then also, because it's longitudinal, we're going to be evaluating whether or how AT use changes or challenges change over the course of the study. Our second project is the title is Virtual Training to Improve Job Interview Skills. And with that, we're evaluating an existing web-based virtual interview training system, which is called Virtual Reality Job Interview Training. And it was created for youth with disabilities, but not specifically, you know, blind or low vision. The purpose of it, or we're going to test to see if it can improve job interview skills and employment outcomes for youth who are blind or have low vision. And actually, the age range for this study is between youth between the ages of 16 and 26, so youth and young wow. adults. So as part of that study, as I said, this is an existing system that's being used, but it was not created for people with blindness or low vision. So first, we're evaluating the usability of the existing system for our population, and then Submersion will make any changes necessary to the system based on what we find with that. And then we're going to test its effectiveness with the randomized controlled trial study. So that's an example of a product that will be available at the end of the study yeah. that has you know, been thoroughly tested and evaluated in terms of usability, 
you know, not just accessibility, but also usability, mm-hmm. and then see how it works, see if it's a, see if it's effective with our population. And then the third study, this is also another one of mine that I'm really excited about, is the interactive video for employers study. And we found in a previous study from our last funding cycle that a face-to-face meeting between a rehab professional and an employer can improve that employer's attitudes, knowledge, and intent to hire people who are blind or have low vision. So we wanted to know, so we knew that, you know, we found out a face-to-face meeting can have those positive effects. So we wanted to know whether a video could have the same impact. So for this project, we've created an interactive video that features a blind rehab professional who shares information similar to what was shared in those face-to-face meetings. And then viewers, after they watch this kind of introductory video, then they can select from a list of questions in three different topic areas, um, employment-related questions, general blindness questions, and then what we labeled curiosity questions. So they can select from these list of questions, like whatever they most want to know, whatever Mm -hmm. they want to find out about, and then they will see, you know, they select the question, and then they'll see a video that answers the question. And all the videos of people are of people who are blind or have low vision. And we actually, um, we created, you know, we filmed a lot of the videos ourselves, but then we also found there were a lot of videos out there, you know, that you could find on YouTube or that answered some of these questions. So we used those whenever we could. Mm-hmm. And we're going to test whether that, the video, whether, you know, when an someone interacts with the video, whether it can improve those same outcomes that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And we are going to test that in a randomized controlled trial. And we're first doing the study with MSU management students, people who will soon be people in positions to hire. And then we're also doing another study that actually will be with employers. And then our fourth project is job search skills training via video conference. And for this project, we're we're revising an existing, older but successful job search skills training program called JOBS, capital J-O-B-S. And to make it current and specific to people who are blind or have low vision. And then we're also changing the way it's implemented. In the past, it was always done face-to-face. And so we're going to implement it via Zoom. And so that, you know, this... These projects were created during the pandemic, and so, of course, that was a really important aspect of it during the pandemic. But it also addresses transportation barriers and allows us to implement it or, you know, for people across the country to to participate at the same time. And so we're going to evaluate its effectiveness with adults who are blind or have low vision, and we're looking at in terms of can it improve their job search knowledge, job search behaviors, job search self-efficacy, and their resume quality. And then increasing labor force participation is our fifth project. I don't know if you're aware, but around half of the people who are blind or low vision in the United States are out of the labor force. Mm -hmm. They're not working and they're not looking, not actively looking for work. Mm -hmm. But we don't know much about why people have decided to be out of the labor force. And we really, you know, when we talked about how do you improve, you know, what can we do to improve employment rates? Well, one thing you have to do is get more of these people who are out of the labor force to return yeah. to the labor force. Right. So that's what this study is all about, kind of looking into why or why have so many people removed themselves from the labor force. So this 
project actually has three different components. One is using large national databases, two large national databases, to learn what we can in terms of factors that are associated with people being out of the labor force, and then conducting interviews with 30 people who are out of the labor force, who are not working and are not planning to look for work, and then conducting a survey of people who have had mentors who helped them with employment mm-hmm. because some of our recent research documented that quite a, a large percentage of people who were employed said that they did have a mentor. That's a good study because I know, you know, people make assumptions all the time about why individuals who are blind aren't in the labor force or aren't actively seeking employment. And so I'm so glad you're doing an actual study to try to mm-hmm. find the reasoning behind it and find out mm-hmm. if there's ways that they can be supported you know, all the way back to my mm-hmm. world of education to gear them up for for right. joining the labor force. And then the final study is the explore, exploration of national data sets. And in this study, we want to go, we want to look beyond employment rates, which, you know, we all are kind of familiar with the employment rates, but there's a lot more to, uh, there's a lot more information out there that we haven't really tapped into. So we want to learn more about the overall employment experiences of people who are blind or have low vision. So we want to consider the quality of employment, you know, whether, like, if there's indicators of underemployment, the continuity of employment, you know, in terms of, like, they were employed at the time they were asked the question, but, like, are they employed, you know, year after year, um, their earnings, and then also receipt of government disability benefits, like SSDI and SSI, and how that's related to earnings and overall income. Mm-hmm. Do you run into any specific challenges uh, related to researching individuals who are blind or low vision? One of the, the, the I would say, the biggest challenge is that being a low incidence, you know, mm-hmm. small population, it can just be very hard to find a large enough sample of people to conduct the research studies we want to conduct. Yeah, that is definitely our number one challenge. And, you know, it's one thing if, if you're able to select people from across the country, like the job search skills training via video conference. Yeah. For that project, we can have people anywhere. So hopefully we'll not have a problem, you know, getting the sample for that one. But if it's something more hands-on, there just aren't a whole large number of blind, visually impaired people in one location, typically, certainly not in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that's our biggest challenge. You know, one other thing that is a little challenging too is getting something that would really be representative of all the people out there yeah. who who have a visual impairment, because the the U.S. government sponsor, sponsors national surveys. You know, we use and we do use that data for for studies, but it. It is based on, you know, visual impairment is based on self-report. Answers, the answer to the question of are you blind or do you have serious difficulty seeing even while wearing glasses. Yeah. So that, you know, people people's response to that may or may not match up to who we typically think about in terms of who we serve in in the blindness field or the, the low vision. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. Because it's self-report, it doesn't necessarily match up. And then whenever we do conduct surveys, which, you know, we do, we, you know, at least every five-year cycle, we're doing one or more surveys, 
our samples, you know, our, our samples definitely don't look anything like what the U.S. government national survey samples look like. Mm-hmm. So um, have you yourself witnessed the research coming out of NRTC um, benefiting the lives of people who are blind and their, um, you know, opportunities for employment? Well, I certainly hope that it is benefiting yeah. them. And, and I can say, you know, I think of this in two ways. I think that there are some ways they're benefited directly and then indirectly. So I would say directly people benefit through participation in research projects. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very direct link. And, you know, we're always, whenever we're doing a research project, we're testing out something to see if it's effective. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I hope participating in those things has been directly beneficial to people. And then also we produce a lot of products, like I mentioned, yeah. and and some of those are developed specifically for people who are blind or have low vision. So I think them, you know, using the products would also be a direct benefit. Like, for example, we have an online career exploration and job search program called Career Advantage for VIPs. And that was one of the products we developed from an, an old research project. And we just recently updated it and revised it and, you know, got, got it current. And so that's something that's available on our website that people can come and use as needed. Um, with this five-year grant cycle, we actually just started doing some podcasts and webinars hmm. specifically for people who are blind or have low vision. And then we also provide technical assistance. As I mentioned, that's one of the components of the of the whole grant. Yeah. And um, Kendra Farrow, who's one of our staff members here, uh-huh. she shared something with me recently that I that I wanted to share. She said she got a nice note from a mother of someone who she had been providing technical assistance to, you know, had been talking to this person who had um, recently lost his vision or found out he had retinitis pigmentosa. And so Kendra had been talking to him for a little while and and talking to his mother too and providing support to both of them. And um, she got a note from the mother that said that um, for the first time, since he found out he's losing his vision, he's excited about the future again. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I thought that was a really nice, you know, nice result from that technical assistance being provided. Yeah. So that's direct. And then also indirectly, I feel like what we do benefits people who are blind or low vision through um, increasing knowledge of rehabilitation providers who will work with them because we provide training to that population, including we have almost 60 online free online courses now that wow. people can go and, and take. We provide individualized technical assistance to the to rehab professionals. And then we have a lot of products we de- we've developed for that population. And I will say we have even more products for rehab professionals than we do for people with blindness or low vision. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of the the model, kind of a train the trainer model yeah. is kind of what what we've mostly used, you know. So speaking of benefiting others, have you seen your data or any of your research utilized in any advocacy efforts from um, blind or low vision organizations or I was I thought about this and the the only thing I could think about that, that I could say yes definitely to this was 
And this is kind of an older thing, but in the 1990s, one of our staff members, Brenda Cavanaugh, she conducted research related to differences in outcomes for people served by vocational rehabilitation agencies based on whether the agency was a separate agency for the blind versus a combined agency. And I know that research was used by VR agencies to support keeping a separate blind agency Yeah. or even in some cases establishing yeah. a blind agency where, where one was not before. So um, I know that the VR agency administrators really valued that research and, wow. and used it. You know, I know Brenda even went to testify. I can't remember if it was, I believe she went to testify before Congress at one yeah. point related to this. And then they, they asked her to do a follow-up study in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she did do that. So, Speaking of just future research, do you have any other big goals that you might think about targeting during the next grant cycle or, or other things that you're looking at? We don't have anything definite. There are things, um, you know, our kind of our consistent goal or focus is to conduct research that we think will have the biggest impact on improving employment for the population. So that's always kind of what we're focusing on when we're planning for -hmm. for new projects. Um, We do like to try to build on what we learn in current projects. Like I said, the interactive video project, that was kind of an extension of the project we had in the last five-year cycle where we did face-to-face meetings. So so we're kind of building on that. And so, so that's something we always like to do. And, Mm -hmm. and along those lines for this interactive video that we're, we've created now, I think after we get done with this five-year cycle, I would love it if we could implement it as a training within some large companies, you know, some companies that would agree that their staff or their employees would need to watch it and then see, evaluate whether it's effective in, you know, in that kind of setting. So something like that, I I hope that we can do something like that. Um, And I think kind of it'll, you know, we're we're still pretty early in the project, so it'll depend on what the ultimate results are that will, you know, that will let us know if we should continue doing research in that on, on, you know, along the same lines or like an idea may come up based on some of the results that's related but not exactly following along. Um, So, yeah, so we don't have anything definite planned yet just a few ideas and I do one thing I would really I personally would really like to do I would love to do a study where we develop a way to accurately measure someone's AT skill level Mm. because I think you know AT adequate AT skills are so important for most jobs now and there isn't a way to measure that you know it's just it's just in terms of a an instructor you know, kind of, I guess, the belief of the instructor that the person may be prepared or, you know, it's something that I feel like is a big need. Mm-hmm. It's, it may be challenging to create that an accurate measure, but yeah, but yeah that's well, something I would love to be able to do. Especially with um, devices being a moving target all the time. It's almost mm-hmm. like you would have to uh, quantify s- skills and not device-specific mm-hmm. Yes. And in fact, right. And that's a good point. And that's something we've talked about that it's really not, it's really more a measure of can the person do what they need to do with a computer 
yeah. you know, or, or whatever it is there, you know, that would be the simplest thing because so many people do use a computer at work now, Yeah, you know, so it's not really measuring their AT skill. It's more measuring their computer skills, but of course they're using the AT yeah. to, there's, there's mm. a lot to think about there. And, <laughs> but yeah, that's something that I would, I would love to be able to do that research. Mm-mm. Those are my main questions, but I did want to say, you know, if if there's anything else you want to add or if if there's any way that individuals can reach out and volunteer to participate in projects or connect with you, um, Mm -hmm. is there information you want to share along those lines? Yeah, the best thing to do would be to go to our primary website, which is blind.msstate.edu. And on that website, you can find out about participating in research. So we have what we call our participant registry, where we've had, we have people sign up, who, people who are blind or have low vision, who can sign up, who, who want to learn about research studies. As we, you know, as we start recruiting for research studies, they, they will be contacted. So we have that opportunity. Um, and we just, on our websites, we have tons of resources for professionals, employers, people who are blind or have low vision. And we actually have three three websites, but the one I mentioned, the blind.msstate.edu, that's our uh, original, our first website. And from that website, you can get to all of our other websites. I would just encourage anyone who's interested in participating or just to learn more about what we do and see what we have. Just go mm-hmm. to go to that website and check it out. Great. Well, Michelle, this was so, I learned so much. This, this was great. So much of the research you're doing is, well, it's very timely and relevant given the current, you know, virtual climate. And mm-hmm. it's just so, it's great. I'm so glad you guys are out there doing this. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. And yeah, I've enjoyed telling you about what we do. <laughs> do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. Thanks to Michelle and to Outreach's own Dr. Cindy Bockefer for the great idea to learn about the NRTC. Their website can be found in our episode description. Given it's June, it's time for our summer hiatus. You won't want to miss our September 15th episode where we will debut our new podcast theme song and talk directly to the creators, TSBVI's own Semi-Modulars. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and Ascents of Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you in September. See ya. Have a great summer. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.